Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and I just want to say I hope everyone had a good holiday season and a happy new year. Today, I'm very excited to introduce our guest, Catherine Tappan, who has covered Stanley Cup finals, Super Bowls, Olympics. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Catherine. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me, Alex. I'm excited to be on with you. Great. Happy New Year to you too, by the way. I don't know at what point we have to say, like, we have to stop saying Happy New Year, but I've been saying it to everyone still, and it's January 16th, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, this is my first podcast of the new year, so I might as Great. well get it out of the way. So, yeah, uh, for sure, for yeah, sure. yeah, no, no, I think we're we're almost at the expiry date on that, though. Um, <laughs> so I should stop saying it to people is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless yeah. I'm hosting a podcast for the first time in the calendar year of 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to start a little bit about kind of your career and, and when did you start thinking about kind of pursuing a career in sports journalism and, and broadcasting? Yeah, I kind of knew when I was a young girl. Um, well, I did know my eighth grade yearbook says to be a broadcaster and I just was, you know, I played every sport imaginable. I loved being involved in sporting activities, whether it was softball or baseball or basketball and tennis and everything golf. Um, and then I loved to public speak. I was part of an extracurricular activity at my elementary school called forensics, which was, you know, you'd get up in front of a group of people either at your school or at other schools when you were competing in the region and at and, and national level. But um, I loved getting up and publicly speaking. So I think it was just a combination of, at a young age of really liking to talk and to, you know, project myself and then having a love of sports. So um, I really enjoyed watching the Today Show, too, with my mom in the morning. Okay. I loved watching Katie Couric and just was kind of infatuated with her. And I think all those things combined led me down this path. Um, I continued the forensic work in high school and also was still competing very actively in three different sports throughout the year. And it just worked. And I applied to colleges and universities that had great journalism programs that I could also continue my um, athletic competition because I knew I probably only had about four years remaining to uh, compete before I had to enter the real world, if you will. And, uh, and so it just kind of, it was always something that really interested me. And then I was fortunate that when I went to Rutgers University and studied journalism, it was still something that interested me because sometimes you think you know what you want to be, but you get through it and you're like, well, I actually would rather be behind the scenes or I would rather be a lawyer or a doctor. Um, but for me, that never really happened. I just stayed the course and I've almost 20 years into my career. I've, I've, I've loved it ever since. Was there ever a tension between, I know you competed at a high level in sports. Was that at the time your number one goal to be a, like a professional athlete and then transition? Or did you always kind of have in the back of your mind that you'd go down the broadcasting route? Yeah, I think I always was pretty real with myself to know that I was not good a good enough athlete to be a professional at it. Um, I think when I was younger, I always had dreams of going to the Olympics in some sport or capacity, but um, I... I did end up going to the Olympics five different times so far as a broadcaster, but not as an athlete. Um, I was a really, you know, I was, I was good at, at most sports I played. Um, but you know, I wanted to go play division one basketball while I was undersized for that and not nearly as talented as some of the programs that were, you know, winning championships, the Yukons, the Rutgers, all of those. Uh, I loved, I actually used running to stay in shape for all my other sports. And I ended up being a better runner than anything else I competed in. So it just so happened. And then I ended up on a scholarship to, to run cross country, indoor and outdoor track. So I think I knew once those four years were up, I was lucky to get those four years. I mean, I earned it, but it wasn't easy. I think I knew once those four years were up that that that's enough of the uh, no, no pro sports for me. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to to go off that. And when you when you graduated from Rutgers, Rutgers, um, 
how did you kind of make, make the next step in, in the industry and how did you get started in, in the media or sports media industry? Yeah, well, I had a really great internship my junior year going into my senior year at Rutgers University. I took the train in every day to Manhattan and I worked for ABC Sports in the wow. PR department. And I was still competing in the summer because that's, you know, when we start in August, we start our training camp for cross country. So it was a pretty, pretty busy summer. And, but I loved it. And I, I enjoyed the commute. I enjoyed kind of learning, you know, taking the train in, then taking the subway to the Upper West Side and getting myself to ABC Sports. And I was learning a lot that year when I graduated or the, the winter leading into my graduation year uh, in 2003, I was sending my resume reel out everywhere. And I didn't really have a great resume reel because I was competing so much. I didn't have time to dedicate to the Rutgers radio and television network. I was basically, I took one of my friends that was in my journalism class and I asked her, she was interested in film and, and shooting. I said, can you shoot my demo reel? because I need to go out and shoot a bunch of standups around campus. Cause I don't have, I don't have a reel to send to all these TV networks around the country. And I basically sent my, this like bootleg demo reel to every possible market, like 150 and up. I mean, you name it, middle of nowhereville, USA, I was coming for you and just got rejection after rejection after rejection. And, and nobody was interested or the spots had been filled. I went on two different interviews um, and wasn't the one they ultimately hired for the sports uh, like weekend sports reporter. And then I ended up going to a competition right after graduation. And I won the walk-on competition for CSTV, which is now CBS College Sports, but okay. it was a launch TV network. It was in New York and they were looking, they were kind of doing like ESPN did it at one point. It was called dream job. Um, this was way back in, you know, mid two thousands. And it was basically like come in audition and we're going to pick like our next sportscaster. And I ended up winning that two day wow. competition and it opened the door, but it was also a, we're in the number one market in New York. Like I knew that's not where I was going to be getting my real work experience as a 23 year old trying to get on television. It's not, you don't start in New York city yeah. for a national network and CSTV was national. Um, so I, but what it did do was the times that I came in, I was able to record each segment I was doing. So whether it was the weekend update or we did this thing on Friday nights called two, four, seven, and it was just kind of a minute and a half recap of the sports that day. And I would clip it off and put it on my reel so that it was building a very lovely reel at this point, because I had a beautiful studio to work with. I had hair and makeup. I had producers like it was, this was not the Rutgers tape that I had a year prior. And I sent it back out to all those places and Providence, Rhode Island called. And then Frank Carpano, the sports director brought me up for an interview. And about two weeks later I was hired. So uh, as the weekend sports anchor weekday reporter, and that is really WJR in Providence, NBC 10 is really where I feel like I got the meat and potato work that I needed uh, in this business. Cause you got to go out, you've got to figure out what it's like to turn a package for the local newscast. And it was just invaluable hands-on experience that I had never had before. So that's kind of how I got into the business, a very unconventional way, but that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, it's not, it's not the same path for everybody. It's not, you know, two or three years of law school. And then you go to this law firm and you learn it's, it's a very different script for everybody in this business. And when you were kind of starting off in, in Providence, was there a place you wanted, like a, I want to be on NBC football night in America or the Olympics? What was your kind of goal at that time? I think at that time when I was at Providence, I always wanted to do sidelines in the NFL. Um, I think, you know, there weren't many opportunities for many 
other positions for women in sports on television at that point. I mean, Leslie Visser paved the path for NFL sidelines and, um, you know, Hannah Storm was in the studio and there were, there were certainly people in big position, women in big positions, but that was always my goal was NFL sidelines. I don't think I really knew much else. I didn't know I could be a host, but at the time, my immediate goal was getting to Boston. I was like, if I can just be a sportscaster in Boston, that would be a dream come true because it was the feeder market where I was working in the feeder market in Providence. It was the Pawtucket Red Sox, the Providence Bruins, all the big league teams, their minor league teams were in Providence, Rhode Island, 45 minutes, 50 minutes down the road. So all I wanted to do was get on TV in Boston and I would go to all these practices. I'd go to Patriots every Wednesday and listen to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and cover the team on Sundays for the home games. And I would see all the female sportscasters in Boston. I'm like, I want to be them. So that was the, you know, as a young journalist, you're just trying to get to the next step. And I knew Boston was going to be a, not only the next step, but a huge step because it is a tremendous sports market. And I thought I would stay there forever once I got there. Yeah. And, and maybe just kind of explain how you got there and, 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 and how that was like. Yeah. So I got there, I was about a year and a half into my deal in Providence. Um, and it was a two-year deal and there was an out clause in there and a prior boss of mine at CSTV, this is why I say the network is so important in our business, but he was one of my bosses at CSTV, Joel Feld, and he was the executive producer at Nesson, the New England Sports Network at the time I was in Providence. And he brought me up and he said, oh, it's been a while. It's been about two years. How's everything going in, in Providence? Why don't you come up and have lunch with me? And I think I might have some ideas for you. So sure enough, um, he hired me about a month later for uh, to be a sports anchor and reporter for Nesson. And so I ended up moving to Boston in 2006, the summer of 2006. I was there for five years. Um, I covered every major championship. I covered from the regional level, you know, I covered the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, two World Series, uh, the Celtics won the NBA championship, defeating the Lakers that year, which was so exciting. And then the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in 2011. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's left for me to do here because I've covered everything. And by the way, this fan base is spoiled, but um, it was such an incredible city. It still is. It's still like where my heart is in my career. I always, you know, I have so much love for the city. And when I'm back up there, I feel this, you know, the mutual feeling and that the fans feel. And it's just fun. And I love living there. And as I said, I could have stayed there probably forever. Um, but when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, and I was on a lot of the coverage that year, the National Network started calling um, NHL Network, uh, ESPN, and I started to do interviews and interview process. Um, Nesson was interested in keeping me as well. But I thought, you know what, let me if I don't go now, you know, I will be here for a long time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people who I actually, you know, now years and years later, there's a tremendous amount of respect I have for journalists that stay in one market for so long. Um, you know, you raise your families there. You it's, there's a sense of ownership. Uh, it's a very comfortable existence to be in, in an industry that's not very comfortable a lot of the times. So, but I wanted it. I kind of felt like this is my moment to go. And if I'm going to go national, this is the time to do it. And uh, that's when I ended up at the NHL network, the summer of 2011 as the new face of what they're programming, what they were trying to create on the fly yep. and uh, NHL tonight and they were rebranding stuff and they wanted me to be the face of it. And it was, you know, the best decision I could have possibly made because it opened up my eyes to a lot more in the hockey world. Um, it allowed me to come to NBC and do the Olympics in 2014 in Sochi when they needed wow. an extra host. And then it opened the door to NBC and so many other things. So I always say like that decision was so probably one of the most crucial decisions I've made so far in my career was 
you know, do I go to ESPN? Do I go to the NHL network? Do I stay at Nesson? Like, what do I do? You know, they're all great options, but what's going to be the best one. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I guess I just wanted to kind of, you've, you've done so many national kind of shows and anchored um, like football night in America, NHL tonight, et cetera. What, what do you think makes, what are some of the things you think are key to make a studio show work? Well, first and foremost is preparation. Um, You know, be prepared for it to go in many different directions. And then I think it's the chemistry you have with your analysts. We have an amazing research team at NBC that prepares you and gets you ready for that broadcast. Um, A lot, they're sitting on the set with us. So if there's a quick question you have, like how many goals in the last three games is that for, you know, Patrick Sharp? (laughs) And I'm using Sharpie because he was one of my colleagues. But, um, and then, you know, you've got to develop the chemistry with your colleagues. And we were all, I remember on the NHL and NBC, I mean, we were all legitimate best friends together. I mean, you, we were going out to dinners together on the road. We were inseparable. There was such great camaraderie. It was like a perfect team. Everyone got along. Um, We joked with each other. No one took each, you know, no one took themselves too seriously. We were all on time for our meetings. We, we just had a great like off camera dynamic that translated to a really good show on camera. And I think, you know, you watch, listen, you watch the NBA on TNT and that is the gold standard for a studio show. And you look at all those guys, they should be taking themselves seriously because they've all won championships. They're, I mean, they're just the most respected Hall of Famers in their game, but then they're just having fun. And a lot of that comes with that camaraderie, whether they're picking on each other or they're bantering about something totally unrelated to the game. It just works. And especially in this day and age where people turn to sports for happiness, for entertainment, to get away from the difficult times in their life and just kind of, hey, let me turn on the game for a couple hours and enjoy watching my favorite players then you got to just have fun with it. Yeah. And and with your time, like covering the NHL for NBC, what's your kind of most memorable moment com- covering either a Stanley Cup final? It could have been a, you know, a cold December night in, in Chicago. Uh, do you have like a special moment that really oh, rings out gosh. for you? There's so many. And I think, you know, it's, I, I, like every moment to me, the big moments, the, the winter classics, the Stanley cup final, like when you really feel the energy, a a game at United center, a game at the bell center in Montreal, there, there are feelings you have in the arena that are, you can't duplicate it and you can't manufacture it. And I think you get that feeling at a winter classic. You get that feeling at a Stanley cup final. Um, I always loved I always loved the NHL awards because it was sort of like, okay, we've reached the finish line. We've been grinding it out for two and a half weeks doing the Stanley Cup final on the road. You usually would go home for like a day or two or maybe three if you had a chance and then get back out to Vegas for the NHL awards. And it just felt like a whole celebration of the season. And you felt like the weight of the world was lit. There was no preparation. You know, we're just going to have fun tonight and present awards. So there are just so many memories I have and and they're all very they're all very poignant. They're all very visible in my mind. Um, I worked with so many great people on that show uh, who are still to this day, my dearest friends. I mean, I get a phone call and I call him once a week, Eddie Olchek and Keith Jones. And I mean, these are my buddies and they will be for the rest of my life. You know, you film those, you form those relationships and those friendships and um, it just feels right. And, and it was, so I think, you know, the big moments, the big games are always exciting. And then the memories off the ice that, you know, the, the conversations and the giggles and the laughs and all that was always fun. Was there a moment, not just with NBC, but overall where you felt kind of a, wow, I'm really doing this. Like, this is me. I'm in the Super Bowl or the any, like the Stanley cup finals. Is there one thing that maybe 
resonated with you? Like I made it or anything like that? Oh gosh. Um, I kind of felt like when I got called for the Olympics in 2014, uh, I was working for the NHL network. NBC's studio host was Liam McHugh. But as you know, for Olympics, there's like three to four games on every single day. So obviously Liam couldn't do the entire bulk of a two week Olympics. So they brought me on board and I, it was my introduction to NBC. You know, that to me is like the big network. You've got NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, ESPN, and it was big. Um, and I'll never forget that moment. I, I don't think I felt like I made it. I, I still think sitting in this chair talking to you, I'm like, have I really made it? Um, I think the second you think you've made it, you, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice because there are so many other opportunities every single day in this industry. And, uh, you know, you have to define what does make it mean? Does it mean being on the sidelines for the Super Bowl? Well, certainly that's a humongous um, you know, the biggest show I've ever done in my career. Did I feel like I made it after that? Um, I, I don't think so. I think I just felt like that was amazing and I did it and I nailed it and I checked that off the, you know, the list and mm-hmm. what's next, you know, is it the next Super Bowl? Is it the next Olympics? Um, and then there were times where, you know, the Stanley cup final to me is the greatest trophy in all sports is being presented over the course of a best of seven game series. Um, that is a defining moment in sports and for all those athletes who work their entire careers, their entire lives to get there. So broadcasting a Stanley cup final, like you made it, you know, so in, in that sport. Uh, so there's a lot of different moments, I think, where I say like, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to just a bit transition to kind of your career in terms of like, how did you break through as a woman in the sports media and industry in such a male dominated field? And, And maybe what advice would you give to young women coming up in the industry? Uh, All right, let me start with the first one. I think, you know, I was so fortunate when I was coming into the industry that there were women that paved the path before me um, and paved an unbelievable path. As I mentioned earlier, Leslie Visser, Hannah Storm. I was broadcasting locally in Boston, in the Boston market. Alice Cook, Jackie McMullen were local reporters who really had their feet in the ground. They did a tremendous job. They did the job the right way. Um, And that's, what allows, you know, I think of Susie Colbert, I think of, you know, women who are just slightly ahead of me in the industry, but they're the reason I am where I am, Pam Oliver. I mean, if they didn't do the job the right way, none of us would be here. And if I don't do the job the right way, people aren't going to come after me. Um, There's so many more opportunities for women in our business now, which uh, I'm very grateful for. You turn on the TV, I mean, hockey alone, it's like there's a woman on every broadcast. And that's great because you know how many kids are watching and young girls are watching on their couch saying, wow, I would like to do that one day, or I would like to be the camera operator in the arena and catch the shot of the puck going into the net, or I would like to be the director in the truck. Um, And so I guess, you know, my best piece of advice is, and there's a lot of advice that's given, and I think it's all amazing, but I think if you're a woman coming up in the industry, reach out to another woman who's been in the industry, Um, tap into that network, that, that group of people who really want to pay it forward and help and have, have a, have answers to your questions. You know, like I don't have all the answers to questions, but I guarantee you if there's a young woman that's starting off her TV business in her TV career and has a question about what do I wear the first day of work? I'm going to have the answer to that. Or how do I prepare for my first broadcast? What do I need to do? I'll know the answer to that because I've also had to do that. I think that's, that's very helpful is lean on the women um, who you respect and who respect you and just continue to use them as a resource. Uh, Cause then you can pick their brain and ask any pieces of advice about anything you need. You know, what do I do when someone tells me I'm not good enough? How do I respond to that? Those are, those are pieces of advice that all of us have been in those shoes. We know how to handle it um, and we can help provide the answers. And, and the other piece of advice I always say is just work hard. 
you know, work hard and be kind be a good person and, and doors will open. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess like you kind of mentioned a little bit that it has changed for you, like as your career has gone on, what do you think still needs to be changed in the sports like media industry for women uh, to make it a better place kind of for the next generation? Yeah. Um, I still think there's a level of respect that is lacking um, for women. I think from a viewer standpoint, sometimes that's the case. Uh, From a social media standpoint, that's the case. I mean, listen, people can say whatever they want and you've got to get a thick skin, but you need male allies as well. And, you know, that's one of the biggest changes we need to see is we need, you know, male and female allies, but male allies that are going to help because there are still men in very prominent hiring positions at all the networks. And so until that changes and that landscape changes, um, it's, you're, you're always appealing to someone who's not the same gender as you. So doesn't understand a lot of who you are and your, your genetic makeup and what makes you tick. Um, and you know, there's a fine line for that as well. So I think, you know, the more women we get in senior positions and the more allies we have in our corner, guys who are willing to go for bat for us and say like, Hey, she's awesome at her job. And I work, I did a show with her like two years ago. And that's what helps, you know, people supporting you and willing to help put you in the positions to succeed. And, and lastly, I guess, what did it mean for you to, to, do the NHL game in, in, in 2020 when it was an all women crew produced solely with women. What did that mean for you to, to anchor that coverage of that? It game? meant the world to me. And I think, you know, going into that day, I wasn't aware of what it was about to do for so many people and the magnitude that that game was, um, you know, we, Caitlin Urka, one of our producers at NBC sports had come up with the idea, um, had heard about it well, had, had come up with the idea because she had heard one of our colleagues' daughters ask her, mom, why are there no women in the truck? And so Caitlin said, we've got women in positions of production in every major sport we have at NBC, right? We've got directors, we've got producers, we've got everybody here. So let's pull all of our resources together and make this one big day of women in front of the camera, behind the scenes. So leading up to the game on that Sunday, I was answering a lot of questions in the media, you know, people were writing articles about it, which was great. They were creating awareness. And as the week went on and the anticipation started to build up, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a big day. Like, this is a big deal. And I knew it was a big deal, but then it felt like a big deal. And then I was like, oh my gosh, walking into the studio that day, women were like energized. It was almost like Christmas morning for all these women in our industry, in our company, Um, everyone from you know, my, my stylist in the wardrobe department to um, Brenda, who was running my teleprompter that night. And like, it was like, we're all coming together for this one show. It was so cool. And there was this, like, everyone had a little bit of an extra pep in their step. And I remember when we came on the air, I brought us on the air and it was my face with the, with the, you know, the women's um, logo behind us. And I was nervous. <laughs> I mean, it is very rare for me to feel my heartbeat on the air, like in a normal regular season NHL game. I'm pretty, pretty confident and, you know, ready to go for a broadcast. But I had this sense of like ownership and I had this sense of, this is a big moment. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Don't stumble. And then I tossed it to, um, you know, Kate and AJ who were in the booth and I'm like, Kate Scott's about to do her first NHL play-by-play game. She, the best person she called for advice was Doc Emmerich. Like this yeah. woman's pipes are going to bring us on the air in an NHL game. How cool is this? And she nailed it. She knocked it out of the park. I had chill. I have chills thinking about her voice right now and her bringing us on the air. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, this is going to be a great night. And it was, we took a huge photo on the set right before the show of all the women that were in studio that day, producing, directing, as I mentioned, wardrobe. I mean, everything from catering to research, it was all the women. And it was, 
pretty empowering. Really, really cool. That's so awesome. Um, I just wanted to go to the to, to transition as best as I can to the NHL today. And I have a kind of fun question for you to, to start off. Um, if you were the NHL commissioner for one day, what rule would you change? What rule would I change? Yeah, rule. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I do not want to be the commissioner for a day. <laughs> um, oh, boy. That's a hard one. I feel like the game, I feel like they've done such a great job with the game and the rule changes and, you know, means to try and improve play. And I don't know, I'm, I'm probably going to every goaltender in America and North America and, and Europe and everywhere on the planet is going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I feel like the equipment for goalies is getting a little out of hand. Okay. <laughs> Maybe shrink the equipment a little bit. So there's a better opportunity to get the puck past them. Um, I don't know. Kevin Weeks is going to come like screaming at me if he hears this podcast, but I mean, I, I think, again, I think the rules have, they've had to evolve and I give credit to the NHL and the players association for allowing growth and development with the rules. They're not just stagnant and what the old rules are because the game, I mean, it's faster, it's players are bigger, you know, nutrition is different now. And it's just, it's a different game than it was five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, the speed is incredible. So they adjust the rules, I think in a very timely fashion and they've done a great job with it. So um, and now to, to this year, you've covered a bit of the season for TNT. I, I, who do you see as kind of favorites um, in the NHL this year? And do you have a Stanley Cup prediction or a team, maybe an underdog, like a team you really like? Um, well, I actually I had a chance to do the Kraken game against the Calgary Flames. So I had a chance to see Seattle up close and personal. And I think that is a special team. I think they're starting. We're seeing them now, like really start to get their stride. Last year was a tough year. I think everyone expected them to come in like the Vegas Golden Knights and make it to the Stanley Cup final. Um, they didn't even make the playoffs last year. And now you have this team that finally has a year under their belt. They've developed. So they would be a team I would say look out for. Um, I think my Stanley cup favorite has to be the Boston Bruins and um, it would be hard pressed to, I mean, I like what Winnipeg's doing right now at West, but I, the veteran leadership and the fact that they've won it and done it and been there before. And they, no matter who is in that lineup, they find a way to win. Uh, It's a testament and, you know, new coach with Jim Montgomery. And it's, I think it's just a testament to that well-oiled machine that is the Boston Bruins. I'm also probably a little biased. I would love to be in Boston for the Stanley cup final. Um, but I think it'd be hard to bet against Boston at this point. Um, great. I, I mean, I, I, as a, you know, I don't think anyone in Canada likes the Boston Bruins. So I, <laughs> they I don't, hope, I know. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I, I, I hope, uh, they go down in misery, but, uh, but I think that's not a, a bad bet. Um, I, I, I just wanted to move again to, to the NFL quickly before I'll let you go. Um, I want like, obviously the DeMar Hamlin incident happened and, I, like there's some there was a story in the New York Times about how the NFL is more deadly in terms of how many former players die much younger from brain injuries and heart issues. What do you think the NFL kind of going back to commissioner in the day for the NHL, but what could the NFL do to make football more safe or is there anything they can do? I mean, I think that I certainly don't even want to, again, I didn't want to be Gary Bettman for a day. I don't want to be Roger Goodell for a day. Um, It is a very difficult job. The sport of football is a very violent sport. Um, It's listen, I'm on those sidelines. I hear the hits. I hear the, you know, the pads, but these are players that, you know, have grown up their entire lives wanting to be in the NFL and win a Super Bowl, and and they're playing a hard sport. I mean, hockey's no different. They're, they're crashing into the boards. They're, 
you know, in an instant, a skate can slash a throat and you're done. I mean, it's, it's at the level of professional sports, anything can happen. And you're playing a physical game with equipment, um, with hard impact. I mean, it's, it's a hard topic to discuss. Um, and I know it's a very controversial one, but, um, I think that the NFL is doing their best to keep players safe. The players association is doing their best to keep players safe. Um, you know, the statistics are there. And if, if people don't want their children to play football, I completely understand why. If they don't want their children to play hockey, I understand why. Um, you know, these are risks we take to do things we love. And, um, you know, I guess I'll just leave it at that because it is an extremely controversial topic. But I think I think it's being handled. I I think these contra- the conspiracy theories about, you know, other things is just is just noise. Um, you know, the, the livelihood and the and the love of these players, by the way, if you asked Tamar Hamlin, if he would go back on the football field tomorrow and play a game, I would bet he says he, he would, you know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. this is what they love. This is their, their passion. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that we see horrible things and bad injuries happen. And, you know, what happened to Demar? I mean, thank God he's okay. And, mm-hmm. but look at the good that came from it because an entire country, an entire world rallied around him has now rallied around his organization. Um, he's going to turn this into something great. He already has. And I think focusing on the positive is the best you can do. I mean, thank God he's recovering and on his road to, you know, being healthy again and hopefully a hundred percent. We'll see what happens with his football career, but uh, it's, it's a tough sport. It's tough at every level and it's even more difficult. And, you know, it can be life-threatening at times at the, at the professional level for all sports. And to just to bring some levity, cause we've had, you know, that tough discussion about DeMar Hamlin, I guess like to go to the, play on the field are you going to ride with the bills as kind of your super bowl favorite who do you see <laughs> obviously uh the bucks and the cowboys play tonight in a huge you know wild card to finish up the wild card round but um who do you think kind of will make it from uh, each conference to the super bowl and do you have a super bowl pick oh my gosh well i would love to see my giants make it all the way and make a super bowl run uh i was very excited they beat the vikings yesterday but my i think my super bowl pick is pretty much the one that i had at the start of the season but i'm going with the bills and the eagles okay Um, i i just think that i mean i think the bills and the way they won that game yesterday what's happened with that team there's like this inner galvanizing force of nature that's bigger than the team right now that's powering them through some tough moments in games and of course off the field as well but I don't know I think I I love Josh Allen I think he's a great quarterback um I think that that city is thirsty for it uh they would love to see the Bills in the Super Bowl so I'm gonna go with Buffalo and Philly I mean Philly's just been as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy forget it look out they are so good in every single phase of the game um that I can't imagine betting against them uh in the nfc but that being said eagles bills who wins the super bowl i guess i'd have to go with the eagles okay okay and Sorry, bills fans. <laughs> and and why do you like them over the the bills i just think for all the reasons i said i think there's you know I, I, I find a flaw right like as long as everyone stays healthy find a flaw on that team the defense is good um you know the offensive line is unbelievable jalen hurts and i, I just think that in a Super Bowl, when they've gone this, they've done this well throughout the whole season. They had the added week of rest this past weekend. I think they'll be ready to go. And I just, I, I just, I can't imagine if they get to the Super Bowl, they don't win it. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. I just wanted to give you the floor. Is there anything you want to plug or anything for the listeners to keep their eyes and ears open for? Oh gosh, no, there's nothing. No. I mean, I guess uh, just, 
the second half of the NHL season is always the best one. It's, it always feels like it's a sprint, right? Like we kind of go through October, November, December, and we love watching the games and all of a sudden January, February hits and it flies. So I would just say, yeah, enjoy the second half of the season and all the fun, the all-star game and that kind of thing and gear up for the Stanley cup finals. There is nothing better in sports. It's the greatest show on earth. I think that's that best of seven game series, but, but thanks for having me, Alex. I've really enjoyed the conversation and then I'm excited to see what your future holds as well. Well, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, good luck to the rest of the year for you. And uh, yeah, take care. Thank you very much.